My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I am joined by my longtime friend, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Hey, Susie. I miss seeing your face. It's so good to see you. It's really good to see you too. Courtney lives not in Kansas City, and so we're doing this remotely, and I feel very very tacky here that, you know, we've, we've figured out how to do this. So hopefully it all works well and we don't have to do it. again. If it does, I'm, I am available and I would love to come out and see you. If it doesn't work, that's just an excuse to come visit. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being a part of the just a mom podcast and being willing to share your story. This is, um, I would say this is a really compelling story that you have about your journey as a parent with a child who has struggled with mental illness. And I'm really excited that you're willing to share it. And I hope that that didn't come out wrong. Excited because I know that it will help people who also have kids or loved ones who are struggling with some different kinds of mental illnesses, and they will be able to relate to what you're saying with your story. Well, I hope so. I don't know. I don't know what I've got. If I've got any nuggets, I've prayed for them. But I also know you've been part of our story since uh, you've, you've known my babies as long as I've known your babies. And it was since they were babies. And uh, our children are friends. And uh, I, I love your babies. And I've prayed over your babies. And I know you have mine. So yeah, you, uh, you, you've been a part of the story as well. So, We'll just get started then by asking you if you would just share a little bit about your family with our listeners. Yes, uh, we, uh, we did live in Kansas City for almost 20 years. We, raised all, we had all of our babies there. Uh, my husband worked for Sprint forever out there. It was supposed to be a two-year journey because we, uh, a little... We thought we'd only be there for two years, but we ended up loving it and um, making such great friends that really felt like family. All of our families back here in the South where we live now. My uh, husband, Jeff, and I uh, have been married for 30 years. We happen to share your anniversary. Yeah, it is very special. So usually right after I text Jeff or whatever that day, I typically text you too. Um, we have three children. Our first is a boy, Brooks. Um Recently got married, precious, precious fella, um, and he's to me he's always looked a lot like Jeff Gurley. So I have a special place in my heart for Jeff Gurley too. Uh, he then and he's he's not too far away from us now. He's in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we have a daughter, middle daughter, uh, Lily, and she uh, her first boyfriend in life was Jeff Gurley. She introduced me. <laughs> at the gym one day and I thought wow this chick's got great taste four, yeah. <laughs> um, well well they, they were that's exactly right I think Jeff might have been turning five and Lily might have been four they were little um and she is I would I would say she's our most that's what we we say about Lily she's our most because she's the most of everything mm. um then we have uh Emma who is uh, just about to get out of graduate from college. She's in a fellowship program for teaching middle school. And I think she'll probably be headed to Boston. So um, that's it. The, the, we're, we're empty nesters and uh, big, big kids are all out of the house. And Emma's out of the house most of the time and we'll be for sure this May. Which is very exciting to get them all launched <laughs> and following their passions and their callings in life. Yeah, it absolutely is. We uh, there. There's nothing I've ever wanted to be in this world more than a mother, mm. and um, I know that that's not really a 
a great thing to say in this day and age when, you know, we're supposed to want to be everything, but I really wanted to be a mom. So I didn't do it perfectly, but I definitely did it intentionally and with a lot of prayer and a lot of Bible studies, a lot of girlfriends. (laughs) So, um, I I love them and I'm, I I love them as adults too. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how your journey as a mom with a child who struggled with mental illness started. Well, I would say, you know, and I, I think this might just be me. I struggle with the word mental illness and I don't know if it's because I've have, have a family full of people who struggle with their mental health. Um, and you know, I even think back to my grandmother, she was different. We didn't, I didn't know why, but you know, she was just a little harder and a little tougher. And, uh, I remember some of my first, uh, memories were wanting to squeeze her or hug her so hard that she might soften. Mm. Um, later in life, remember learning that, well, she struggled with her mental health as well, you know, and probably not until she was in her seventies, did she get on medication because medication wasn't fuck and finding out like, Oh wow, that's her real personality, you know? Um, so, I my, the daughter I'm going to, the child I'm going to speak about is, uh, our middle daughter, Lily. And I would say, uh, she has no, no trouble with the word mental illness. For some reason I do. My whole family struggles with uh, mental health stuff. Um, most of us is anxiety. Um, I do, but I also kind of believe that any of us at any point, regardless of whether you've got a history of it, the, the cards can just be stacked beautifully for there to be a mental health crisis. So, um, I just, and I know that from, you know, my husband's family's got things on his side too, but even people who are not prone to it, whether it's my son Brooks or my husband, Jeff, if the cards are stacked a certain way, boy, we all need to be paying attention to our mental health, regardless of if there's a history or regardless of that we've seen signs, you know, um, I am a huge proponent of therapy, but anyway, so I would, I'll say that with Lily, we probably started to notice that she was a strong-willed child, very, very young. Um, she, she likes to be right. Um, she's a perfectionist. That, the perfectionism stuff really came out as she grew a little older. But she did not like to be fussed at. She did not like to be disciplined. Um, I'm not saying anybody does. But, you know, for, it, it was very different parenting her than it was, just as it is for all of our children. But it was very different parenting her than it was the other two. The other two you might give a look to or, you know, say that's not going to work. You know, they might not have liked it, but sweet girl, she is, if there's one thing she is, it is strong. So uh, I think we probably started noticing it was different, maybe around four. And I know that's pretty young, but, um, she, she seemed to enjoy, uh, I shouldn't say enjoy getting in trouble, but you know, getting in trouble was very different for her. Um, and then I just think it started to grow. And probably by second grade, we knew something was up. Um, we're a pretty faithful family. She, you know, of all of us, she's probably the most. Again, the most. She is the most. She she loves her some Jesus. Still loves her some Jesus. Um, and it even got to the point where when she was in probably second grade, there was so much anxiety that we, we, we had to stop saying prayers with her at night. And we prayed with all the kids at night, but she couldn't say prayers anymore because that would keep her up all night. It would start with praying for family and it would inevitably go into saving the world. And I still think she's a world saver. You know, she's 24 years old now. She, this chick is going to do something, um, big. Oh yeah. Or or God would keep saving her. (laughs) But she, she, uh, she struggled to even pray. So we had to start saying, okay, we're going to say prayers in the morning or we're going to say quicker prayer, whatever it was. Um, so, cause it would keep her up all night long and it would go into the children of Africa or, you know, kid on the bus or whatever it was. And then she couldn't sleep. Um, and then we noticed it too. in in around second grade, she was the ideal kid, you know, uh, People who didn't know me or didn't, uh, you know, know my frustrations or the difficulties would have said she is ideal. None of our kids got in trouble. They were all really bright. She tests off the chart. Um, But 
she struggled so much that during school she was angelic. You know, she she had all of her ducks in a row, um, has always had a sense of right and wrong that was stronger than most people's. She was the playground monitor. If somebody was making fun or mistreating or guiding somebody wrong on the playground that had special needs or anything, she was going to be there. Now, not, not, not as a bully, but she was going to be there as a protector. So, again, about second grade, I started reaching out to probably our our doctors and some of our friends that I knew who had children who were struggling. And I just said, she, she's, she's not doing all right. You know, she's not, she's great at school. We're getting great reports. The, the grades are good, but something's just not okay for her because she loses it. It's almost like she has saved everything up all day long at school, all the wrongs, all the people who weren't fair, all the people who weren't doing right, you know, she was, she, she handled it at school, but once she got home, she lost it, and um, we finally found a really great therapist through KU, um, we started taking her to, and uh, she was an older lady, but just gentle as she could be, now, uh, Lily, as you well know, is not shy at all when she loves people, when she is around she was very shy um, and was especially then uh, if she didn't know somebody. So I would say maybe the four, first four or five counseling sessions, she hid under my chair. Mm-hmm. You know, she, and, and you also know she's taller than everybody else her age. So she's always mistaken for a kid two years older. She was verbal quicker. She, you know, and she's a tall chick. So she would hide under my chair and I would speak to the therapist for a while, the counselor. And after that session, the counselor would come out and say, I'm still willing to work. I'm still willing to try. I think I can get her. Well, lo and behold, she did. And so that was a beautiful thing. She would play, uh, you know, coping skill games or, you know, consequences games or, you know, things like that that were age appropriate. And I'd also say that it wasn't maybe too much longer than that. She's probably eight that the doctor started recommending maybe we see a psychiatrist to talk about medication. And, oh, boy, I, that was that was not okay with me. <laughs> and I'm not sure it was okay with my husband either. And, you know, we're talking early 2000s. So it, it wasn't really uh, people didn't talk about that stuff. People really didn't do it a lot. Um, and it took us a little longer than I wish it had for, to try it. Um, but it was finally having a psychiatrist say to us, which I'm sure you've heard the example of, if your child has diabetes, you're going to treat it. Your child doesn't make enough serotonin. You need to treat that too. So, um, not shockingly, I ended up on medication not long after her. Um, I had postpartum with all of my children. And so I started realizing, well, gosh, and the psychiatrist helped me realize as well, I had a lot of anxiety too. Um, so I, I had to work through a lot of not blaming myself or blaming my parents or blaming whomever for passing down, you know, whatever this was that she was struggling with. But we knew we had to help. We just knew she needed help. And, and I'm thinking back, you know, 20 years ago or 15 to 20 years ago, and you're right. And I've had this conversation multiple times with other guests that we just were not talking about it. We weren't thinking about it. So the fact that you were even pursuing therapy with her was cutting edge per se. Uh, it, it did feel like that because I knew a couple of uh, friends who had their children in therapy uh, most of them had either been through a divorce or some, something had happened. For us, there was not something that we knew that we could pinpoint it to. So you're right, it did feel a little odd. I'm also an open book, so I would love to um, pat myself on the shoulder and say I was sharing it with everybody. But at that time, I'm not sure I was um, because it did seem so very different. And I didn't want her labeled. You know, I, I, I would share probably, every year I'd probably share with a teacher, she really struggles with anxiety. You may not see it in the class, but these are the things that you should be looking for. Um, and we were so blessed. We were in Blue Valley School District, which is such a, you know, I'm sure it's not perfect, just like no school is perfect, but the teachers were so very loving. 
and accommodating, not overly accommodating like where she was getting special treatment, but where I knew they were looking out for her when I wasn't there. And they would report back to me if they thought she had had a hard day or if something specific had happened in the classroom or something with somebody else. And they, they knew she was sensitive to that. She's, um, I'm, a, I'm a lot like this too, but she's super empathetic, overly compassionate. Um, and I know a lot of times as I learn and I grow and she learns and she grows, uh, that's a good thing. That's a really beautiful, great gift from God. But it's also something that we have to be very careful of because you can be so easily tricked or not look out for yourself or um, be so incredibly selfless, which as I'm sure you think of too, as a Christian or for me as growing up as a Southern woman, there was not a bigger badge of honor you could carry than being selfless. Right. And it's taken until I'm 50 to learn Hey, wait a second. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be selfish, but I also need to learn to take care of me, and I need to be modeling that to my children. And I, I, w- I wish I had done that more. I wish I'd known more. We right. talk about it a lot now. Yes, but we're works in progress, and we didn't talk about those things. So this is, again, life is just all about learning and continuing to it grow, is. and that's that's what you're doing a beautiful job of. Well, I don't know about that, but I absolutely agree with you. We, uh, we, we learn better and do better. So exactly. Let's fast forward, um, a few years down the road. So Lily's seeing the therapist, she's on medication and, and things are better as a result of this, right? Yes, they are. And I wouldn't say, you know, obviously not perfect. I think, you know, we all have struggles and we're going to constantly have them. I'm learning that like, she, there were still struggles. There were still, you know, discipline issues. Again, always at home, not anywhere outside the house. Um, but she, yes, she's doing great. The the medication is helping. She's still thriving at school. Uh, she's never had a problem making friends or, you know, being a participant in every sport and every, like that, that, that's another thing that we noticed about her, still noticed about her. She is happiest when she is overwhelmed. You know, the more she's got going on. But yeah, she, I would say the medicine was a great uh, decision. And I think that having her with therapists was a great decision. I will say having known Lily for so long, she was a delightful child. She was one of those kids that you wanted to have come over and play with your kids because she was such a great kid. And my children all loved her. And she was so inclusive that if she came over to play with Jeff, guess what? She would include Olivia and Will too, because that's who she, that's who she was. And is she still yes, and st- still it so was like that from just a really young age, and I saw that and you know brilliant too. And I'll say that because I'm not her mother, but brilliant, such a smart, she smart and young lady. She, we never let our kids compare compare themselves to each other. We never told them test scores, but she was. She, she did. And, and I often wonder too, like, you know, scoring off the charts, is, is there, is there a struggle there? You know, is, is there, is that a double-edged sword? Maybe. I, again, I'm not a doctor or a therapist. I'm just a mom. Mm-hmm. But based on my N of three, I, sometimes I think, yeah, there, there's a correlation. It's harder. Yeah. Um, right. But I, again, I don't know. So just a mom. I'm just a mom too. Um, moving forward, let's talk about when she was in high school and some of the things that happened in high school and how those, um, how those helped shape. They, they did. And, and I, I know where you're leading me because you're part of my story there too, our story there. Um, she, uh, I I was so proud of her. She's never uh, been the one to take an easy route. She decided after uh, junior high school or middle school that she would move to um, the, not the school. She did not want to go to the school that she was assigned to because, again, she's a Jesus freak. She wanted to be at uh, she wanted to be at Blue Valley High School where things were a little. I don't know. She felt like people were more, I guess, real there. So she, she left all of her friends to start over at Blue Valley High School, not because anything was wrong with her friends, or, but she just wanted to be with people that she felt were more her people. Now, in retrospect, whew, 
oh, God was watching out for us because he, only he knew what was coming. But she did everything to fit to fit in and to make friends, went out for track, uh, played basketball, you know. And, and I will say, she's, she's had dear friends her entire life, but that was the time when she met probably her best friend in the world. Um, and I still tell that girl she was at Blue Valley High School and played also tall. Lily is about six feet tall. This girl's a little over six feet tall. They played basketball together. She was uh, a mother's answer to a 15-year prayer. So if you can think of all the first letters of that, that's what I used to always call her. <laughs> uh, but just precious. <laughs> a mother. Yeah, it's A-M. But anyway, she was delightful. She she had great teachers. She loves theater. The theater teacher there was awesome. I mean, the pr- principal was, aw- was just great. Um, and thank God, because something was coming we could never have prepared for. Um, her beginning of her sophomore year, again, she's a, she's competitive no matter what she's going to do. She was a swimmer and, um, she started club swim and, um, it was really great for her because she doesn't have to rely, rely on somebody else. You know, like it's all comp- competition just between her and her own times. So it was great sport for her and she was thriving. One day we got a phone call from club swim and it was the person she had driven with her saying, Lily needs you to come pick her up. She's driven me and she's not going to be able to bring me home. Uh, that is weird in a million ways because she is the most independent human you'll ever meet. And she needed us to come pick her up. So, uh, as God would have it, a trip we were supposed to be on Jeff canceled last minute. We both hopped in the car drove over to where the swim practice was. She was lying on a bench. Uh, and I only know that, that these signs that I'm going to tell you are important in retrospect. I didn't know then, but she had the worst headache of her life. She was lying on a bleacher. She couldn't talk to us. She was throwing up. She was losing hearing and her feeling in her hands and her feet. Uh, I pulled the car up onto the grass beside the building. My husband, who is about six one, was carrying our six foot child, you know, in her bathing suit to our car. Uh, she threw up several times on the way to the emergency room. And uh, I thought she had a migraine. I get migraines. My family gets migraines. I thought this is a migraine. She's throwing up. Uh, we get to the hospital. They run an MRI and mm, not five minutes maybe even less from that MRI, we have a, an emergency room doctor uh, grab us and say, your daughter's having, has had an aneurysm. She's had a, um, a brain bleed, a hemorrhage, and we can't treat her here. We need to move her to either Children's Mercy or KU Med. We ended up at KU Med. And from there continues the God story in that they, they thought they need to operate on her immediately. This small hospital where we were located had a, just happened to have a neurosurgeon upstairs who was working on somebody. He has a daughter at Shawnee Mission who, and he came down and said, you can't keep her here. She's going to need search, you know, just the whole nine yards. So uh, he was helpful in a little godson. Turned out later that he, his daughter was Lily's age and was best friends with one of Lily's friends at Shawnee Mission High School. So just small world stuff, but uh, also, the, there was no ambulance to take her. And wouldn't you know, five minutes later, the four most, most gorgeous men you've ever seen showed up in an ambulance and said, we're going to clean it out in 30 seconds or faster, and we'll get her there. So Jeff and I hopped in the ambulance. He was in the front seat. I was in the back. We, um, we lost, she lost consciousness several times in the ambulance um, and started answering questions incorrectly. Uh And it was the the thing that hit me the most during that was that the ambulance, uh, the sirens were on. And I thought of every moment, it's funny the things you remember, but I thought of every moment my children and I had passed an ambulance with sirens on and prayed from the car. And all I could think is there are people passing us right now in the dark, praying, not knowing what's going on in this ambulance. Um, So she, they had to wake her up several times. Uh, we got there, we had to separate from her at KU Med and 
they took started taking her up. Um, I remember it, it still feels like a movie, but I remember hitting my knees in the waiting room on the Nero ICU floor, just begging God to take care of her. You know, it's one thing to recall, you know, all of us have said it before. This is your child, not mine. This is your child. This is not mine. But to actually have to plant my face on that dirty floor, uh, and say, I know she's yours. You can take her right now and I'm going to have to keep loving you and I will keep loving you, but Oh God, please don't, please don't, you know? So it it still makes me tear up. But, um, we finally got into the room with her and then, um, again, I think you kind of get, you don't realize what you don't know, but the beautiful thing about it was we were across the street, across the street, across the hallway from, uh, the nurse's station. I don't think that was by accident in retrospect, but I didn't know at the time, but I thought how lucky. So, uh, we had four nurses the first night, the very first thing in the morning, she needed to go do an arteriogram where they shoot dye into your hip and it goes up into your brain. And we passed, I bet a, a line of 30 people in stretchers and on stretchers and in wheelchairs. And all I could think is somebody's called in a favor for us. This is not okay. You know, it, Right. So I called my doctor, you know, I have a doctor friend. She's like, please tell me you didn't do this. No, honey. You know, I hope Sprint didn't do it. No, honey. And so finally, it wasn't until days later, but she said the whole reason that Lily was rushed to the front of the line is that she was the scariest um, and most severe person that day. Um, I'm kind of glad I didn't know that. Yeah. But uh, it was just, it was just nights and nights and nights of holding her hand and praying, nonsensical uh, dear God, please, please, dear God, God, please, please, dear God. <laughs> so she was there for eight days and we had beautiful friends visit us and take care of us, girlies being some of them and, uh, people praying from, uh, for us from Canacook, from, you know, friends of friends of friends that I didn't know in different States praying for her. And, um, and I will say, I, I worried about her depression during this, too, because of where, where it was located. She ended up not having to have surgery, praise God. And the, the hope was that uh, her blood would reabsorb back into her brain. And again, praise God, it stopped bleeding, and it appeared that that was what was happening. Um, first three or four days, we had, it was like Grey's Anatomy, we had doctors, teams of doctors and nurses and um, students coming in and talking about her case. And, uh, again, I think God protects you. I don't think I realized, I just thought this is a teaching hospital. Um, it really wasn't until much later that I think we had time to research and realize that, and actually Lily did a lot of the research, uh, that we, we shouldn't still have her and that she shouldn't have walked away with no residual, um, issues. So I, uh, I know she's been saved for something, but I think also it, it continued to contribute to her anxiety because now if she has a headache, if she's playing basketball and somebody shoves her down, you know, there are, if she has a nosebleed, you know, there are a million things that go with that. Right. And with reason. Absolutely. And I mean, I got teary eyed when you just recounted that whole saga because I remember getting that text you know, please pray. Lily has had this, you know, aneurysm and we don't know what's going to happen. And, and just, and seeing you and hearing you tell it again. Oh my gosh. It, it just, it's hard to believe it's been almost 10 years. Right. And we celebrate it's, yeah. it's uh, September 10th. We celebrate it as her brain anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I also know she puts a lot of pressure on herself because she was saved from that. Um, so I'm not positive that was delightful for her anxiety either, but, uh, she, she feels a real, you know, as she would, because she's a perfectionist and she's a, you know, a doer. She, she feels like she's needs to earn the second chance. Let's talk about how her depression and anxiety was after. Yes. It was truly life. It was threatening event of having a brain aneurysm and walked out of the hospital. I mean, that's a figure of speech, but 
left the hospital with no residual effects other than many that none of us really realized. Yeah. So yeah. she was, that. yeah, she was there for eight days. We, uh, uh, she started talking probably on the third. I can remember very specifically, uh, very, you know, uh, on trend for Lily, when she finally could get up, we rolled her around the hospital and she prayed for every room as we walked back. Cause it was definitely a, an area in the New York IC where people were, were, were passing away each night. Um, but you're right. There, there was another three months of recovery after that. And, and again, not a whole lot of guidance. There was no therapy for it. In retrospect, I wish we had sought it out as a family. I wish we had, but at that point, our main focus really was getting her healthy. And just like many people know from concussion protocol, you just, you shut everything down. So our excitement was sleeping in the same bed, you know, um, doing Disney puzzles. And we're talking about a 15-year-old um, bright child. Couldn't listen to music, can't listen to the television, can't have a lot of conversation, um, can't go for walks. She's an exerciser, and, and I feel like that's a lot of her therapy. So um, it was. It was three months of and not going to school. I'd say about... Two months in, we were allowed to bring her back to school one class a day, and then I'd come back and pick her up because it was really just getting accustomed to the lights, the noise, and all that stuff again. She chose theater because she loved her theater teacher. And, um, and again, Blue Valley School District, uh, if, I, if we even had I, – I am not one to tell – anybody where my child needs to be, what class they need to be. You know, like I, I feel like God's in charge of all that. It was the only time I've ever had to call and say, you know what, there are a couple of teachers, well, not really a couple, one who's not, I'm, I'm afraid is not aware of what's going on. But boy, that principal was on, on top of it. Lily caught up. You know, it was, it's hard to believe she did, but she caught up. And, um, and it was a beautiful thing because she, I think she needed that as much for her healing uh, as anything else because school mattered to her. Um, but it was it was not an easy, you know, three or four months. And I'd say for a full year after that, too, you know, it was still just slowly, slowly recuperating and a lot of anxiety. Uh, and was she a lot on the anxiety, anxiety meds that she'd been on for all uh, the years or no? No. Oh, we, she had to come off of those for a while. So, and then she also got it in her head too, that could the anxiety medication have done it? Oh, you know, that have caused, so, uh, that was a, that was a challenge too. So, um, but eventually she did go back on them. We may have switched or something. I can't remember, but, uh, she, she did go back on medication and she has had periods even now where she'll, you know, things will be going well and she'll stop. And I know I've done the same thing before. I finally, as an old lady, have realized that I don't, you know what, I'm, I, I'm, I may try to get off if I want. And if I need to get back on, there's no shame in that either. So, um, and I think she's probably would love to not be on anything ever. Mm-hmm. So right now she's not, but she also I think has become uh, self-aware enough to know that that may not be that she doesn't need them at some point. So mm-hmm. it's a process. Moving on in your story. Yes. Uh, another real life event that happens while Lily's in high school. We moved. Yes. Talk about that. That, you know, I, uh, People have always said the worst time to move your children is at high school. It is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Our son was going to college. That was fine. Our youngest daughter, it was a struggle, but she was moving into her first year of high school. And uh, at least there were some other. We, we moved into a smaller private school here in Charlotte. Um, but she was able to make friends and and Lily did too. I'm not saying that she didn't, but she had a hard time finding her people. And there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. So we spent, I'd say probably the first six months off and on, 
uh, Jeff on one side of her bed and me on the other side of the bed as she, as we would rock her like a baby, crying herself to sleep. Mm. Um, and it was hard. So hard that I do remember several times Jeff saying, let's go back, let's go back, which would have been an easy thing to do because everything was (laughs) hunky-dory. So, um, but we had prayed so hard about whether we needed to move. Our parents were getting older. Uh, after Lily's brain hemorrhage, which had happened in September, our move was in June or July the next year, uh, we realized how important, we'd always known, but we realized how important it was to be that close to family. Um, so it was, a, especially that first year, it was a struggle. And uh, and typical of, of Lily's style, she knew she was going to have to meet people and make friends. So she went out for track, which she'd never done before. And also not surprising, she thrived. <laughs> Surprisingly, she thrived. <laughs> yeah. So she, she's got really long legs. Uh, yeah. The, again, the coach was amazing at helping her fit in and she was meeting nice kids, but uh, her perfectionist tendencies also caused her to start eating better and eating better um, turned into eating less and exercising more and, uh, restricting food. And when I look now at pictures, I think surely people must have looked at us and gone, do do they not see? But to us, it was such a slow progression. We didn't realize, um, but she had become anorexic. Um, and I, I still don't know if it was a control thing, like she needed to control something and everything felt out of control. But it was a slippery slope. It was starting out for the good reasons. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to eat the bad stuff anymore. Right. Uh, but she's still a teenage girl, and she was burning the calories. We finally found out from her, pe- her pediatrician and a couple of um, people at the anorexic clinic. She, she was burning the calories of a, you know, 12-year-old boy. She needed to be eating, like, not really like Michael Phelps, but, you know, she, and she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look back at pictures now and t- the bones were sticking out everywhere. Um, and she was running. And I think probably again, the thing that hit me the hardest was her Blue Valley high school friend came to visit and started crying. And I couldn't understand why she's like, she's so thin. What's wrong? Is she okay? And as a mom, I thought, oh, well, she's exercising more. She's eating better. She's, you know, and I think that that was probably really a wake-up call because that child had not seen her, you know, in the time. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Um, Ribs were sticking out in the back. You know, ribs were sticking out through her clavicle. You know, it just, it it was not her typical body shape. Maybe it would have been fun for somebody else. Um, She loved the way she looked, and she was getting lots of attention. Um, and of course, her friends thought she looked great, and her and the guys thought she looked great, <laughs> um, and that's that's hard not to listen to. Uh, it is, and particularly when you're a teenage girl, <laughs> I think that's, that's yeah. most of us want that. She was also garnering a lot of attention for her running as well. well absolutely, so. absolutely, uh, and unexpectedly, and she did well in her senior year too. Um, but yeah, and it was, she was fitting. She was, she was fitting in, you know, she was making friends and she had a group and, um, but you know, and that perfectionist tendency of hers, you know, she is, she is very self-disciplined. So, Mm -hmm. um, that worked, you know, to, to her detriment. Uh, we fortunately were able to get her into a place. They wanted to take her full-time. In retrospect, I'm not sure we shouldn't have sent her full-time, but school has always been so important to her that uh, the thought of not being able to go to school was just... uh, So so we told her in the beginning she could start out with not having to miss school and doing it every single day after school, which she ended up doing. But if it wasn't working that we would go inpatient. Need to. Absolutely. What was, and, the, um, what was the event or the, the breaking point when you and Jeff looked at her and said, you have there, you have a real problem and you need help. What was it that made that? Um, happen? I, 
she was starting to have heart palpitations. She was, um, we had taken her in to her pediatrician here and they had said how much weight she had lost and we were not aware either of how much weight she had lost. So they, they said to us, she has an eating, eating disorder. Um, and then recommended Renfrew, which is, I think in most places there's probably a Renfrew. So we took her there, uh, also, her uncle, who is a um, orthopedic surgeon, had pointed out to us some stuff too. So we were like, "Okay, we've got to we've got to take her in and see if this is for real." Um, she did not like hearing that. Well, I, I bet you guys were both pretty shocked too when the pediatrician said she's lost this amount of weight. Right. Absolutely, yeah. Because to us, it had happened. We thought slowly. You know, it's probably a four, five, six month period, but. Uh, and like, how can you criticize your child? She's exercising. She's competing. She's, um, she's trying to eat right. Um, we didn't realize how much, uh, of it was disordered. Um, and we learned quickly, uh, she, and God bless her. That child did not want to be in Renfrew. So she was going to succeed at all costs. Mm. Um, in retrospect that, you know, that, that meant she, right child. She answered all the questions the way she needed to answer in therapy there. She knew what she needed to say to get out. She knew what she needed to do to get out. And there's never, you know, I can't imagine. She drank nasty insure shakes. We, this was about the time we were taking her to look at colleges and boy, she drank them hot because she was getting out of there. You know, she was not going to do it. And she is, her, her mind is always on success. So mm-hmm. she was, she was beating this quick, quickly. In retrospect, and she would say this too, uh, we should have kept her longer. We should have kept her after she had, had gained the healthy, you know, healthy amount of weight back. We should have kept on discussing it because I'm learning just like anxiety or anything else. That's going to forever be some sort of a battle for her, whether it's, you know, no matter what that looks like. Absolutely. Uh, so I have a, we learned a lot. A new friend actually who is married to a high school classmate of mine and they have a podcast and it's called Speak Out Loud and she has had a lifelong battle um, with eating disorder. Oh, and right. So but they are they're doing such great work where they're talking about it and talking to other people yes. about uh, mental health issues as well. But anyway, that's a complete aside, but also a plug for them. No, but it's a great yes, great yeah. plug them because you're exactly right. We don't know. And these girls put um, so much pressure on themselves. Um, and if we're not talking about it, then it's just that, it, you know, just like depression, just like anything else, it's that dirty little secret. And if it stays inside, oh man, it just wreaks havoc on your brain and your body. And, and then those are the kids that we end up losing, I think, because people aren't talking about it and they're not talking about it. And there should be no shame. You know, like, whoa, no, no shame. Exactly. Um, so, all right. So you said you, you wish she would have stayed longer. You would have made her stay longer because she kind of, she outwitted the system basically because she's so smart and she knew what she had to do to, to, to check the to box out. and get out. And so she did right. that, but you would mm-hmm. say it, looking back, you would say she hadn't really recovered. She had, no. She gained, she had gained her the, the healthy amount that they needed her to gain. Um, another thing that happened in there that I forgot to say that was very beneficial, but you have to, you know you have to know your child. Who would have known that this was what was going to help her though? Um, we did have to have all kinds of health assessments done, and she is a very you'll remember this from her love of going to see Dr. Gurley anytime she had like a bump or bruise and he was so kind and giving her a sling or whatever, because (laughs) she, she still does. She's in PA school. She loves anything medical. Um, but that was a big deal. We had to go into the heart specialist and for him to tell her in medical terms, what she was doing to her brain, and she likes that brain, what she was doing to her brain, what she was doing to her heart and her major organ, major organs, how fat is not an enemy. You have to have fat. And if you don't have that fat, your body, your brain starts stealing it from other places in your body. So that was, education for her was a really big deal. Now, does it mean that she's never going to struggle? No, but it was motive. It was definitely motivation because uh, she, she is a high achiever and she was going to want to 
to stick around to, to, to do, do what she needed to do. So. And um, at any point when she was battling anorexia, would you say that she was suicidal during any of those times? That is not something that came along. I worried about that a lot. Um, but I, I, again, I think for her, her faith, and, and I'm not saying people who, other people who have faith don't, don't, but for her, that was a real detriment to that way of thinking. And, and she's also a really big communicator. So I'm noticing she always has told me how she was feeling. She's all, she's, she's good about that and where she is. And even as she gets older and, and as an adult, she will, she will tell me where her head is, or she will say, I need somebody to know that this is how I'm feeling right now, or that I'm struggling with this. But, uh, but that didn't mean that it kept it out of my head. And we did have an issue at one point later on in her story where just for a millisecond, I knew what those parents who do have children with suicidal ideation or children who want to hurt themselves. Uh, I, I felt it for a period of 30 minutes and, oh man, my heart hurts mm. to think that it just, but anyway, just that how hard that would be if that were yet another part of our story. I want to pause here for just a second. And what my mind is thinking, and I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm wondering if you have ever thought this, that she had this brain aneurysm, she lived through it, lived well through it. And then now she's, really struggling with anorexia to the point that the physicians are telling her you have to do something about yeah. this. What were the thoughts going through your head trying to reconcile those two scenarios in a period of two to three years? It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, again, she's our most, um, so I, I would say, and, and I don't mean this hurtful toward her at all, but I would say 75% of our parenting or my parenting as a mom has been surrounding Billy. And I, I have no resentment toward her. I, I want to give her everything she needs. I think she was given to me specifically for this. Um, I don't know I'm always, if I'm always equipped perfectly, but I sure love her. Um, but it was a lot. It, it was it was very hard, and then I had questions too. Did, did her did her brain aneurysm do something to a certain part of her brain that was triggering new things? Or you know, I I don't know. So uh, a lot of prayers, j just how I've kind of handled everything. But there's a lot of prayers, a lot of friendship, um, a lot of other mothers who would speak wisdom into me a lot of reading, you know, but I, it, it was a lot. And we were doing it on the heels of having moved to a new place. And I didn't, I didn't have my, my people that had grown up loving Lily and loving my babies, you know? So it was hard. Um, it was hard, but I, I will say that the one, when my husband and I struggle with one another, it's when nothing's going on. Um, he is, he is, oh, amazing when we are in the heat of battle or in the valley. Like there is, there's no person I would rather be fight, fighting battles with. And those words can, like you said, daggers, those can leave some scars. They do. I wish I could say I've forgiven and forgotten, but I've, I've forgiven. But, you know, there's still times where I think. I would, you know, I won't do it because <laughs> sure, but I would love to say, do you know, do you, and you won't remember this, but when you said that, that was really, we were right in the heat of some pretty traumatic stuff. And that was like, you know, questioning whether, uh, you know, questioning Lily's faith or questioning our faith or questioning what God was thinking about the situation. I just, you know, I still have nightmares about some of the stuff. And that's my problem, right? I need to, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I need to handle that. But yeah, there's hurtful stuff. And I know they don't mean it. People don't mean it, but, but they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Hopefully part of this podcast is, a, is some education. And hopefully there's somebody listening to this who's not really familiar with eating disorders or other things, depression, anxiety, that's thinking, okay, I, the next time I talk to someone that is affected by one of those things, I'm going to be a little more sensitive about what I say, or I'm going to think before I say something. And, 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 and being honest, I'm sure I've said things before too, you know, like when people die and you think you're saying the right thing and there's nothing that's helpful. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm learning too. We're all learning. We're all a work of progress. So I'm going to ask a really, really hard question. And if you don't want to answer it, that's okay. When Lily was at the darkest, deepest part of her eating disorder, were you ever afraid you were going to lose her? You know, I don't think that was when I thought I was going to lose her. There's, there's still more story. The, uh, it, it scared me, but I think it scared us at the same time because I was at her doctor's appointments with her. So, uh, I think knowing her, like I knew her, and knowing how motivated she was to not be in those groups of, uh, and God bless the people that are in the groups, but some of them were, were probably not going to get better. And I'm not saying that Lily won't struggle too, but there were some of them that were, that had been there for years and years and years. Mm. And, uh, I think she so badly didn't want to be in a situation where she was going to continue to feel hopeless and, and wallow in it. And, um, and, and that's just her personality. I mean, there are plenty of things that she did. She did want to get better and she wanted to be able to use her brain and she needed her heart. I mean, like how is she going to do the two things she loves the most exercise and serve people or, you know, and be in school. She, she right. couldn't have done it. And that so, was, okay. that's not, that's not when I thought I was going to lose her. Mm. This is the first of a two-part series with Courtney. My conversation with Courtney will continue on episode 8, which will be live on July 4th. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share these episodes. And thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.